This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. This episode contains frank and honest discussions about mental health and mental illness. If you or someone you care about requires immediate assistance, please visit calltimementalhealth.com for links to resources. You are not alone. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and today I am so, so excited so excited to finally welcome Dan Payne, Dan fucking Payne, to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Dan Payne is a damn good actor. This isn't an opinion. It's a statement of fact. From John Dover on The Good Witch to Traeger and Mech X4, from Beast and Disney's wildly popular Descendants films to a high-powered real estate mogul in the first episode of Family Law, Dan handles comedy, action, genre fare, children's entertainment, and drama with apparent equal ease. And he's got five Leo Awards nominations and two wins, one for Aliens Stole My Body and the other for Aliens Ate My Homework to show for it. Dan makes it look easy, but it's not easy. Not only is there real skill behind Dan's effortless looking performances, but as he's moved through his career, he has wrestled with depression. Dan told me that it's been a constant companion throughout his career. And once you know that fact, it makes his entire body of incredible work all the more incredible. So today, we're going to talk about all of it. The characters, the projects, the joys, and the challenges that make Dan Payne the in-demand actor he is today. Dan Payne. Wow. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you so much. I That was an incredible intro. I cannot thank you yeah. enough. That is... Thank you. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, I want to be that guy. You are uh, that guy. You are that guy. How are you not that guy? Uh, I just, it's me. I struggle to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I get it. I yeah, get no, that it. was really, um, thank you. Uh, it makes me feel proud. So I, I really appreciate that. Good. Well, I am definitely excited to dig in today. I am going to start with the question of the moment. Right. The big question. The question that really has become such a massive one in the last two years. How are you? <laughs> I ask from my heart, how are you, Dan Payne? Um, my canned response is up, down, and back around. Um, For a canned response, that is that is fairly descriptive and- It covers it, Man, I feel that, yeah. <laughs> so is today an up day, a down day, or are we going back Today's an up day. Yeah. I have been excited to be here for, well, I've already told you this a few times, for quite a while. Yeah. So. To have the day here is is an update. I, I woke up with the excitement about coming here and the nerves and the anxiety that come with it, but mostly 
excited. So it's an update. Yeah. Yeah. You ready to do some time travel then? Let's do it. Let's get into the meat of the of the whole origin story experience. Okay. <laughs> what kind of a kid were you? Uh, I like to de- I describe myself as a, as a nerd and a proudly, meaning I I would get up early and study. Uh, that was instilled by my mom, who is a, a university professor, and <gasps> no English way. major, and yeah, she's an in- she's an intellectual giant. And uh, yeah, you want to get you want mom proud, so I, I I like to study and do well in school. Um, I was also I grew up small town. And uh, you know, if you could walk and chew bubblegum, as I joke, you could make on you could make it onto any of the teams. And I was a tall kid, and so I played basketball and volleyball and all the sports. And I love sports, so I got to be kind of in both worlds. You know, the scholastic study groups and the uh, let's go train and play sports groups. And that did put me in a bit of a strange space where I was allowed to hang out, but not fully welcomed into either hmm. because it. So I felt like, and again. We're going back 173 years, I believe, ish, to my high school. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's a long time. Uh, So memory may have shifted, but I believe I was in the Misfits group. But Hmm. I enjoyed that. So you know, naturally, Breakfast Club was one of my favorite movies in the entire planet Um, because it spoke to me. You know, I felt like we had that guy and that guy and that guy, and I was a bit of that guy and a bit of that guy, and that's a lot of that guy. Um, But yeah, it was great. I, I, I. I felt like I got to experience every facet of high school to some extent. Yeah, it was like a an hors d'oeuvre appetizer platter of uh, teenage experiences. What did that guy, who was made up of all those different guys, who was also <laughs> playing sports and also studying and making his mama proud, what did he want to be? Like, I'm just trying to see, how do we get from that guy <clears throat> to this guy? Yeah, there's... Uh, well, there was a lot of, uh, we might be diving in early to the to the depression stuff, but I was, uh, I struggled with the concept of self-worth. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time trying to please everyone else. And I tried to figure out what that was for each person. So, um, and, it, and sometimes it was an external that wasn't even true. Like I always thought, oh, my dad wanted me to be a, a, the best athlete I could be, pick a sport and kill it. My mom wanted me to do well in school. My brother and my sister are hilarious. They are some of the funniest people on the planet. So I wanted to be funny so that they would think I was funny and cool and fit in with them. And it, like, that's family. That's how messed up <laughs> it could be. But uh, It sounds like every family, right? You yeah. Know, that that um, confluence and, of, and just overlap of expectations and personalities. And, but it's hard if you're trying to change who you are oh. for each one of those groups right or groupings or people before you fully formed what that is for you it's yeah yeah it's tough anyway i i wanted to be accepted i think is that like at the end of the day i think i wanted to be connected to people i've said this to you earlier that that connection fuels my life and so to feel connected i wanted to be whatever that next person i ran into or met Hmm. What I thought I wanted, they, what what I thought they wanted me to be, in order to have the appreciation and connection with that person, but not understanding that true connection comes from being your authentic self, so they can see your true colors and find, you know, that the true generosity of spirit comes from the authentic self. That's what helps connect. I had no idea about that at fifteen. I'm like, I'm not happy, and I feel a little lonely, and that person's really cool, and maybe if I can be whatever they 
are doing in some shape or form that's me that's not fully imitation so they can see who I what I'm doing then I may I'll be connected to them it'd be yeah. great so and it's hmm. so sad for me that in my family I couldn't even do that there was a, an authentic like my brother and I are best friends and my sister with moments because I tried to be the big brother I was the oldest one so I couldn't let like I couldn't let the true colors fly because I needed to be the big brother and protect because that's you gotta that's be the leader your role, right that's your role I'm so, the firstborn I get it yeah okay there you go right <laughs> I gotta forge a trail um, or so I thought um, so my brother probably knew more than most and I didn't want my parents to be disappointed so I just kept it quiet and tried to find connection everywhere I could yeah does that help? Did I answer that question? Yeah, well, okay. you've actually started a whole bunch of other questions like just planted <laughs> in my mind. Like I'm wondering, you know, because I have, I have an 11 year old, you know, right now, and you know, she's growing up um, in this world where individuality and authenticity, you know, are are valued and encouraged even within schools you know it's like they'd almost those kind of the cliques that used to exist and the ways that we used to organize people in high school yeah. that it's almost like that doesn't happen anymore and i'm just wondering you know if you know especially you're you're a dad you know and and you see what kids are watching on tv you are in what kids are watching on tv <laughs> you know like like, do you think like you would have ha you would have a different experience if you got to be fifteen years old today? Plus, now all kids are talking about mental health and depression, and you know the supports that are there for them, the language that they're given to talk about. You know, like we grew up at a time where that wasn't a thing. Oh no, not at all. You keep it quiet. Yeah, yeah. it was. I think I'm so grateful for the way the world shifted in that respect. Absolutely. I have a thirteen and a. 10 year old and oh so you're in the trenches oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you ever get out of the trenches it just changes yeah um, you just keep digging down you're in a different battle but <laughs> so my kids I love that there's a freedom of expression I think there's less bias you know back in the day if you're like oh you're in that group and you're you're ostracized or yeah. excluded or whatever I think I mean there's still high school pressures there's uh, you're still trying to find your self-awareness and your growing through all the growing pains and puberty and emotions and hormones and I think um, I don't think that's changed no I think that's a thing that's I a still, thing right? yeah yeah okay <laughs> so that's still happening but now I feel there's less external bias I think you know like the the gender fluidity and the the sexual orientation not being such a uh, defining ostracizing element that you're allowed to express yourself more freely yeah which is amazing but maybe it's also more intimidating. I don't know. I mean, I'm... I'm you have more choices now. <laughs> yeah. Just, wait, what's the right one? Which is, again, you know, that's why I'm trying to do the work now for what I grew up through and have carried with me for, for quite a while. Is I want to make sure that I'm not influencing my kids with my struggles and keeping them from their finding or their journey to finding their authentic selves, whatever that may be. Yeah. in this new world of uh, stuff that I don't understand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> stuff that I don't understand could be um, our podcast where we talk about stuff our kids says that we don't understand. We don't have enough time. Yeah, <laughs> no, it'd have so, to be a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, a limited series, but with 25 episodes. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put a pin in, in um, mental health and okay. depression um, because listeners to the podcast know 
It's like one of my favorite things to talk about. I'm always like, let's break the taboo. Uh, They also all know about all the medications that I need to take just to get out of the door in the morning. Um, But I want to talk about performance, though. Yeah. You know, because you still haven't really drawn a line from Dan in small town to to acting and to how you how you like how did you become Dan Payne? Well, when a man would have met early on with the with the sports in a small town, I I garnered some success uh, to the point where the local paper was writing about this small town kid who was getting some attention from universities, and I made the I was in Alberta, I made Team Alberta for volleyball, and so it was a kind of a decent story for a small town, and I loved the. I enjoyed that attention. It made me, it gave me the self-worth I struggled to find mm. internally. So that external reward became something I pursued. Was not the right way to go, but looking back, but I chose to pursue that to feel better about myself, to feel good. And You're chasing a feeling. I was chasing a feeling, yeah. yeah. And when I got that feeling and I, my skill set, my sports, my affinity for sports was, was ref, you know, giving me that reward. I pushed harder and I trained harder and I got better and I made Team Alberta and then I was scouted to a bunch of universities across Canada for sports and then the, it became associated with performance. Hmm. So doing something that I was good at in front of a crowd was wonderful. That, yeah. that was a fill my tank, which was quickly burned up, fill my tank re- reward that I became reliant upon. Hmm. Uh, which was nice because it taught me to drive and push and become and do whatever it takes and you know get my brother and I have this saying get up one more time and you get knocked down and so I would do that with sports and I'd be like okay if I'm not gonna I feel like I'm not gonna make this team if I don't you know push harder train harder do more <clears throat> and I kind of applied that to everything I do then I made it and I, I ended up playing volleyball and s- some rugby in Australia and playing sports was that reward that attention that made me feel like I had a self-worth yeah and it progressed when I was in Australia with my brother into putting on shows. We were photographers. We'd put on shows and we started performing in the shows in order to, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I saw that look. I, well, I was like, look. what kind of shows? Uh, have you ever been to Club Med where they put on shows at yeah. night? Like, okay. Well, we created our own stories and shows and we did them on islands that in the in Australia in the Sundays that didn't have those shows. Wow. And, but I did do it for Club Med as well. Uh, so I enjoyed that. That yeah. was like the next, oh my, oh my goodness, this is the same thing. People come in, oh, you're so funny. Um, I'm like, you were probably drinking a lot. So I, yeah, it happened. It's a holiday. But w- we took it to other islands and created our own shows. And then that birthed the performance response and reward from, let's call it acting. Yeah. Back in the... Was it the same kind of? I mean, because you you said that you burn you would get from sports you'd have success and then you'd burn through that tank really fast. Did getting um, accolades and being seen? Because what I'm seeing is that you wanted to be seen, which is so human, you know, to be seen. You want connection and you want to be seen and heard. Um, when you're getting it for these shows that you were putting on. Um, was it filling that tank and satisfying you in a different way? It, it was there. So playing the sport, there was a specific set of skills that I had to do very well to be successful. 
but what I fell in love with with was with the shows is the or uh, people don't like this word, but the organic shifting and ever changing. I mean, do people not like organic? I, I've just heard it so many times. Like, I oh, need to be organic. Oh, shut up. Um, <laughs> but it is. It's an organic. Like, it's a back and forth. There's a flow in it. If you're not on the wave, then you're missing it. It's pretty simple. I mean, in volleyball, the ball is going to be hit different ways, but the, the response is still like I'm playing defense. It's a pretty program. My body's been trained to react a certain way. And there are parallels, but for me, what I loved was the creative uh, fluidity of this show where there's different, we bring in guests from the audience and you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And you have to adapt and flow. And, and so that creative, the need to be creative and be at the front edge of that wave was ex was exhilarating. Yeah. And I think it actually helped fill a, the tank internally without knowing it because, you know, you talked about being seen. I think I wanted to be seen, but I wanted people to see it a certain way because I obviously wanted to hide the internal truth. Hmm. So if I could be seen in a certain way in a certain light, then I could pretend it was okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was very addictive. Yeah. And uh, it became, yeah, it became a very, a passionate um, outlet that I pursued. What was, when was the first time that you called yourself an actor? Uh, so those shows, I've called that all just the trenches of figuring out what it what, what it meant to be. But the first time I called myself an actor was the first time I got paid hmm. to be on a set and perform. And that was in England. I uh, love, I had no idea the, like all the different places around the world that you were going to take us in this conversation. <laughs> so we started in a small town, Alberta. We've been to Australia. We've been to some club meds. And now we are in... We're in England. We're in England. Okay, yeah. and so where are we? What set are we on? Paint me a picture. Uh, a, a big set in in the inner. I can't remember what part of London, uh, but downtown, in the heart of London. Uh, it's a sound set, sound stage that uh, that it was a commercial, but yeah. it was still amazing. Like, I was getting paid to do something that I would have done for free, and I'm pretty sure a lot of actors would have said that but just to be experiencing this whole process as a newbie um and it was a commercial where i actually got to be dan from canada oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah and what was it for what was the product uh cell phone warehouse it was a it was a yeah phone company okay and it was a dating show there was a popular dating show there where they would put a barrier between the the main guest and the three potential right. dates and you know we talk about ourselves whatever and what's your name I'm like oh I'm Dan from Canada uh, and I had like they literally like yeah you get to be Dan from Canada I was like yeah represent <laughs> and then uh, I won you know she picked me and then we got to go to I got to go to Spain they part they filmed part of this commercial in Spain they flew us to Benidorm Spain wow. uh, yeah so talk about you know hooking me even deeper like wait what yeah you're taking me to Spain for free to film something which I think is an exquisitely beautiful job and okay yeah I want more of this let's yeah. let's do more of this so that was the first time I was like oh my goodness I and I actually you know what now that you say it, now that I've said it out loud I don't think I consider myself a professional actor at that point I think mm. I still consider myself a fortunate guy chasing that title yeah. So I think the first time I actually went, okay, I am an actor, is when I got to commit to it. My first 
ever job in Canada was MythQuest in Calgary, Alberta, playing oh. Osiris. Full circle back to Alberta. Back to Alberta, yeah. Um, that's the first time when I got on set, I'm like, I'm an actor. Yeah. What did it, what did you want at the beginning of, of your career? Like, and, and let's talk about the beginning of your career. Well, let's make it Calgary. Let's make okay. it that, that role. You said Osiris? Yeah. Yeah, you're Osiris, okay. That's a big role. <laughs> like, that's a, there's a lot attached to that. Um, what did you want then? What, what did success mean to you then? And how is that different from what it looks like for you now? Uh, well, the, the first day on set, but there was a lot of excitement, but it was probably overshadowed with some anxiety and, and fear of failing. Mm-hmm. So success was getting through it uh, without being called out for a, uh, as a fraud or a failure um, so that I could get that reward, that response reward, and feel justified in saying, oh, I'm actually there's some self-worth in here somewhere. And so I, successfully doing what I was asked to do without actually knowing what the hell I was doing mm-hmm. at the time would have been success. But I wanted that feeling and I wanted to learn more. And I still love that creative demand because it, there's no, like in volleyball, I knew all the skills. I could, you know, bump, set, spike, serve, all the, they, they all came naturally. I'd done them. So this was all brand new. Yeah. And now you're interacting with another actor and there's a scene and there's a director influencing how that goes. And I didn't know how all those would play out. Like that's a pretty intense melting pot of creativity there that Mm. you're supposed to fill your voice. So sponge everything I could, uh, challenge myself. I did love the challenge. Actually, I did quite love the, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to get through this. Yeah. And were you fake? Like, did you feel fake? Like you were faking it? Or like if you or if you didn't know something, were you at like asking people like, hey, where do I stand or where do I go? Or A bit of both. Yeah. That's a great. Yeah, I did. I, you know, act like you know what you're doing. And then if you don't better figure it out. And I did anything I could. I'd ask whoever was there. Yeah. Um, And people are pretty supportive. Yeah, because what I'm learning doing this show is that everybody has has a first day on set. Everybody has a first day on set where they feel like they don't know what's going on, you know? So there, you can actually find a lot of empathetic people to help you, you know, as well. If you're, you know, if you're brave enough to just ask for help. Yeah, you know? the, I think acting is a lot about vulnerability and you have to be vulnerable enough to ask for help. Yeah. And to let people know that you need help, which is a parallel to something else we can talk about later. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I, I was, again, I'm going to give team sports in my athletic past a lot of credit for the fact that I was recognizing that I was a part of a team mm. and that if you are slightly aware or think you're the weakest part of a team, then you better up your game because this whole thing, and I think people are so apt to help out if you're aware of the fact that you need to get help, is that you're only as good as the weakest link on the team. Same with the production. The production can only be as good as everybody involved, Mm. everybody, whoever's changing the garbage cans, if that stresses somebody out because it's full and then it can, like it's a chain effect. Everybody's there to do a job and everybody's a cog in the machine that makes, so everybody working as best they can, the better they do, the better the production value, I think. So I wanted to not be the, (laughs) the wobbly cog in the machine and I'd ask for help. 
So what about success now? What does it mean to be successful now? Oh, Sabrina, they're big questions. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you knew what this was going to be because you have listened to the show before. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Success is me to, for me is to continue to be able to do this job that I love in some way, shape, or form. I teach now. I get to coach young actors and watch them go through these magic moments of revelation. I help them put auditions on tape and see them feel proud of their work. That's a success. Mm -hmm. It's incremental uh, now. There's success. So I have a goal. Uh, I have ultimate goals. And it ha for me, it has to be a goal that I can achieve again and again. Because mm. if you arrive and you get there and you've done that and that's it, then what's next? So for me, that goal is something that I can repeat. Yeah. Getting there is success. And I've had some success in that. And I want to continue to pursue that. But the ultimate uh, definition of success for me is incremental like I set incremental goals and so it's a success for me to help a student uh, find their process it is a success for me to help someone feel proud of the audition that they just mm. put on tape it's a success yeah it says had a stroke there yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> I like asking about success because people always say sex at some point so <laughs> nice right? yeah. that's me having a mind game it's like, <laughs> Well, you were sex sexful at that. I was six. Um, <laughs> so booking a role is still a success. Um, yeah. Finding a new way to be creative within the paradigm yeah. of what I do. So that feeling then, that that sense of, of uh, filling your tank, um, feeling creative, having fun, you know, that is still part of it. That's still part of the equation. That's still something you want. Absolutely. Yeah. But the external recognition for it has shifted. Hmm. The drive is internal. And the need to challenge myself isn't so much to make sure that I can prove to others that I can do it. It's because I enjoy the challenge for me. Yeah. And I'm much more comfortable with failure and being uncomfortable. In fact, crave it. Like... Some actors talk about, you know, find your level of discomfort. Then you're in a zone where you're going to create. It makes more sense to me now, and I'm way more comfortable with it. Hmm. This lends back to when I needed to be in control of as much as I could in order to guarantee as much as I could a level of success. Now it's a, a, a lot more caution to the wind, and let's, let's take what we have worked on for 20 years yeah. and throw it in the mix and throw caution to the wind and let's see what comes out. Okay. And sometimes it's a face plant, but I love that. I'm okay with a face plant. <laughs> the learning behind a face plant, and I tell students this too, the, the face plant is sometimes the biggest source of learning that you're going to experience. Yeah. Sometimes when you get a Literal right, face plants and also like more <laughs> like a metaphorical face plant, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what is a Dan Payne role then? You know, and especially like looking, like looking at your filmography, there do seem to be some threads, you know, that go through, but then it's like, well, this character is wildly different from this alien, is wildly different from Batman, is wildly, like, it's just like, is different from the real estate mogul, you know, from the first <laughs> episode of Family Law, right? Like, it's all so different. So, like, what do you think is a Dan Payne role? Like, what needs to be present in a role to get you really excited and engaged? 
Uh, challenge, uh, you know, not to simplify it, but I, I definitely want to be challenged to bring all the elements of whatever that character is. So the more complex or the more layers to a character, which I think is part of the homework that you have to do to create, and it comes from good writing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, for me, if I want to break it down into specific parts, I need, I, I definitely want some emotional uh, baggage and conflict to deal with. I'd love some comedic outlet mm. and release. And I, I love a physical, I'm not a small man. I would love some physical elements to it. Like I don't, I, I guess I'm saying action hero when I say it aloud right now. Like a, you know, like a Bruce Willis, uh, Yippie Kaye, you know, best Christmas movie ever. Um, I actually, I'm starting to disagree. Is that right? No, yeah. So um, all, I've always been pro Die Hard. I actually went into labor d during a Die Hard marathon. Um, I watched, uh, rewatched the original The Thing over Christmas. And I got to say, that is a solid Christmas movie. <laughs> If you want to up your Christmas movie game, uh, The Thing. Best Christmas movie. And let the debate begin. Yeah. <laughs> now we're getting into getting into the the thick of it. Um, right. Sorry, yes. Action hero, Bruce uh, Willis, a, Die Hard. Yeah, like the, there, I mean, there's a smart ass element. There's some physicality. There's some emotional issue elements to deal with. Uh, I love all of that stuff. So what's a role then from your filmography that had a, a lot of those elements then? <laughs> oh. Can I look up? I, <laughs> I don't mean that. I just, uh, there's every, because so many came through my yeah. head. There's, I just did a, I'm getting to play more villains mm. as of late, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. It is more fun to play villains. Um, I just did one called Framed by My Husband where I was a, and to say it out loud, it's pretty rough. I was a serial rapist. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, not not a good man at all. But he had to pretend to be a great husband at the same time whilst being a horrendous, disgusting human being on the other side of it and, and keep both worlds separate. So there's a lot of challenge in that. And it's fun to do one scene where you're with your wife trying to convince her you're a great guy and then you go and seduce somebody to their this horrendous experience that's just ugly. Yeah. And as a as an actor, that's a pretty incredible challenge. Yeah. I don't know if I rose to it, but I enjoy the challenge. Again, it's an internal thing for me. I, I love the fact that I got the opportunity. Yeah. Um, have you ever been typecast? I mean, we did talk about uh, your big guy, you know, and there there's like a, this um, cadre of big guys in the in the city, Alex, yourself, uh, Tomo, Tomo yeah, yeah, like the, yeah, Victor, uh, Benjamin Ayers, I guess. Like there's like, uh, there's, many. yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and the, I, oh gosh, I remember a few years ago at the Leos, the show started with you and Alex carrying out Ian Ray <laughs> Adams and I think Kaylin Miles, you know, cause they were hosting and, and um, you know, and so like, like I've spoken to specifically Alex and Tomo about typecasting and about the you know um the impact that being one of the big guys in the room you know has had on you know the cho the choices they make as actors or even the opportunities that they get how has that impacted you well yeah you can't pretend to be smaller uh, that's 
and I love that you mentioned that. So I'm, I'm extremely grateful for the fact that I've been in a fair few Hallmark movies. And, uh, you know, I'm 6'4". I love that they allowed me the opportunity to be the nice yeah. sweetheart husband or the guy next door. Or, or It's wonderful to know that being 6'4 doesn't exclude me right. from playing uh, Hallmark leading men or, or movie of the week leading men that are nice guys and I, I am a nice guy and I love that I'm getting to play villains now because there's a, you know there's there's more <laughs> to me than just I'm very proud of being a nice guy yeah. and being considered a nice guy but I love that I get to explore some of the, the darker stuff but to be 6'4 and, and you know Alex is a, a giant man and he's a unbelievably talented all of the guys that you mentioned and so many more unbelievably talented guys but they figure out who they are and what they can bring that's unique to that role. Mm. And then their expression of that character wins the role. Yeah. And so you, I just, you can't deny, it's again going back to being your authentic self in my mind. Mm. Once you figure out what that is, then you, and you don't chase what you think they want, you bring what you know you can to that role. Yeah. And you let them see that and they can decide whether that's right or not for the role and it's, Rather than chasing something in the dark, aka trying to figure out, because sometimes they don't actually, I don't think, know what they want. And if you come in with confident choices based on who you are and what you can bring to a role from your authentic self, from your true creative essence, then that, I guess I have to call it confidence, will win you the role yeah. or not. And if it doesn't, it's I'm okay having put everything in the room at that moment. Yeah. So I don't know if I, did I answer your question? You what answered like that question and then like a whole bunch of other questions. <laughs> okay. um, let's talk about some of the roles uh, that um, are memorable for you and also for me. Uh, the, my choice of role to talk about, I want to talk about Beast uh, in The Descendants. And you actually, I had Queen Bell in here on Friday. We're doing a, a show together. Um, yeah, me and Keegan, we're doing a... Keegs. I love Keegs. Yeah, Keeks, Keegalicious. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're doing a, a whole new podcast series about just being a woman and growing in this industry and what does it mean to get older and to hold, you know, what is your power and all this stuff. So we had like some incredible conversations, but um, people love The Descendants. They do. The, you know, and um, I mean, it's, there's a lot of happy memories attached with that. I know that um, for the cast and crew, though, there's also the sadness uh, as well of losing one of your colleagues. Can you, can you talk to me about the joys and challenges of that particular role? Uh, absolutely. I, <laughs> it's a classic character, you know, and I don't know if uh, Keegan was mentioning the same thing, but Beast and Belle are two longstanding classic Disney characters. So there was an intimidation to, there's a, at the exact same moment that you booked the role, there's like the, yoo oh crap. Yeah. Um, because, you know, classic character, there's a pre-existing idea about what that is. But Disney and Kenny Ortega and all of the production were very wonderful at saying. Kenny Ortega, because you had to sing and dance. <laughs> oh, I didn't have to sing. They wanted that movie to be good. So, um, yeah, there was no singing. Um, you know what? Just mouth it, Dan. That'd be yeah. great. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, Kenny and the production and Disney were all very wonderful about saying, no, no, this is not anything from the, this is our beast for our world and his role in this film and our, or these films. Yeah. 
and he's a father and you're a father there's a lot of parallels you, you know the essence of you to go back to essence brought that character to life and I remember in the audition that I went for the comedy of the audition and Kenny was very responsive to it he's he is so amazing like what a visionary and what a wonderfully creative vibrant human being he is mm. you he's he is 30 years old by spirit I don't know how old he is it doesn't matter but he'll for he's a forever 30 he's Peter Pan yeah um a little Disney thing there. Yeah. 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 I, I feel Thanks. I felt it. Thanks. I felt it. I acknowledge it. Yeah. yeah. No, you did visually. I just wanted to get it on that. Um and being a peripheral character, a parent character in a show with five, six unbelievably triple threat talented kids, like sing, dance, act and all exquisitely. Yeah. Uh I was really grateful to be able to stand and watch a lot of it. You know, yeah. I got to be able to absorb and enjoy most of the performances from a spectator kind of yeah. and Keegan and I talked a little bit about it like it's wonderful to represent the parents and the structure of this you know we're the structure part of this chaotic world of Oradon and uh, the vibrant sets the the incredible dance numbers that each different choreographer brought to each of the different three films it was a mind-blowing experience I was not a passenger, because when I was meant to be there, I was present, and I did my job, and I did it with pride and, and gratefulness, as did Keegs. But we got to watch this thing unfold kind of from a passenger uh, position in, at different times. Yeah. And what a great gift. Because, and this is going back to just career-wise, every opportunity on set's an opportunity to learn. And when you're m more peripheral, because watching those kids is about those kids, I know. <laughs> That's the um so we basically record in an alley. Uh <laughs> so we are hearing the um the sounds of the alley and they will move eventually. Oh good. But our listeners are life used to it. Life goes on, right? Yeah, yeah, life goes on. Hey bud. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I did have to reschedule though with um Shayla Horstall this oh. one day. She was gonna come in, we were gonna record the two hundredth episode, and um they're they're they were like resurfacing the oh. back alley and it was so loud. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay, this isn't happening today. There's yeah. only so, cause we would not have been able to hear ourselves. So, but this is the usual, yep, it's the garbage can. It's uh, atmosphere. Yeah. Atmosphere. Yeah, Walla, it's, it's, free Walla. Yep. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Free, unasked for Walla. <laughs> Uninvited. But at least they know that we're in the studio. and we're not, It's not Zoom. We're actually in a room yes. together with plexiglass between us. We're yeah, in a room socially together. Distanced. But here, yes. I love that. I love, thank you for letting me come and Yay. see you in person and talk to you. I think Yay. conversations are better when you, when you get there. I think so, too. I, don't, I wouldn't be giving you as much of a hard time as I've been giving you <laughs> if we Please were do. over Zoom. Well, um, and I've, I've wanted to have this conversation for a long time, so I didn't want to do it over Zoom. This is great. Yeah. I appreciate it. Okay. But to go back, um, a bit of a passenger with the opportunity to sponge. And Kenny Ortega, what a gift to be able to try and learn and watch. Not that I... Like, Keegan is a director. She's a phenomenal actor mm. and an equally incredible director. And, uh, and I got to work under her directorial um, brilliance which was so cool. That is awesome. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah well, the, but as, you know, as I get longer in the tooth in this career, I think those opportunities are going to come about more and more. So that was a really cool experience, you know, to somebody I've worked with as an actor on set to now be directed by on set. Yeah. I don't have as much aspirations to direct. I am 
more apt, I believe, to produce and try and create content I want to be an actor in. Mm. Um, and then hire Keegan to direct. Yeah. <laughs> Keep <laughs> right? it in the like family. A, right? well, I just, like it. Well, as again, as I get on in this career, the working with friends is a huge desire. Yeah. Uh, every time it happens, it's not about the show as much anymore as who's I get, who do I get to work with when I get there. Yeah. So that's anyway. Did we answer the question? I don't know. Okay. It's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it was interesting, and the garbage ki- garbage truck was there. Yeah. Thank. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Yay. That was Canadian. Um, you mentioned friends. What role has friendship played in your career? You know, and and community and connection, especially in this very small community. That's kind of like a small town and a big industry. So I might sound like a broken record if anyone's heard me speak about the community again. It is one of the greatest communities there are. Yeah. Uh, it's supportive. There's no, there's far less incidents of ego in this community than anywhere that I've ever come across. Everyone tries to lift, the, say the newer, younger, uh, less experienced actors. They lift them up rather than ostracize or leave them out. I, I think there's an awareness that you know, the better you, the more you help others, the better the whole production will be. So, and I think there's a mentorship, like a, I don't know if it's a, uh, you know, it's a outwardly spoken thing, but the, the, the more veteran actors are helping the younger actors. And yeah. it's, it's just, like and again, unofficially, just by instinct. Yeah. Organically, you might even say. You might even throw that <laughs> word in there. But you are trying to shoot a movie in 12 days. There's not a lot of time to, you know, do anything other than help everybody uh, move along. Yeah. And so I think there's an awareness of that, but it's not out of just need to finish. It's there. I think there's an actual desire to be supportive in this community and to help others and to make this the best. And th- I'm speaking of crews as well, mm. not the actors only, not direct. The crews they have a a global uh, recognition of awesomeness. Yeah. And rightfully so. And so crews, actors, everybody involved in the Canadian, well, Vancouver community specifically, if that's what we're talking about, is world class in my mind. Yeah. And to be able to play in this playground, well, that's a gift of gifts. So. Yeah. So I, I, I love this community. I love being a part of it. And speaking of friends, some of them I would call friends, and I only get to see them back in the day when we got to go to in-person auditions or on set. Yeah. I'd see them, but it was a welcome event to be able to go hey and you know there was a hug and sharing of information and sometimes there'd be like discussion of an audition we were both going for yeah can you see that lack of that's yeah it's so generous and such a wonderful experience it removes i I guess ego and i think ego is a beautiful thing and it needs to be there but it can't be the driving force because i think it would interfere like ego when recognized can support yeah uh, the process, but if it's the driving force, then it's going to interfere. Yeah, I think I don't know. I I agree. I think you're correct. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Check the comments. No. <laughs> okay, I'm taking a pin out of mental health now because okay. um, I'm so excited to talk about it. I honestly, I honestly am excited. I was ex- when you sent me the email and said I would really like to talk about my journey with depression. I did get excited because Do you know how long that took to type. How long that take? A long time. Um, I'm still not. I'm still not sure about doing it. Hmm. I'm sure that I have to do it. Yeah. 
I, I get that. Okay. And I, but I'll say though, you know, I over the years I've been doing this, it's been three years doing the podcast now. Um, I was always nervous to talk about at the beginning to talk about my PTSD, my my panic attacks, my anxiety, my depression, and then later um, suicidal ideation. Um, and my medications that I take just to get out the door. But the more that I did it, the better I felt because it removed the stigma from it. But then also I was hearing from people who were like, thank you for sharing your story. It makes me feel less alone. It makes me feel normal Um, because we're all experiencing this. So many of us are experiencing this in some kind of way, you know, and it is, it's a health issue. You know, it's just it's just like if you have a a, a chronic illness. Absolutely. You know, um, so I applaud you and thank you for being so generous to talk with us today about about your own journey. Well, thank you, and I'm learning. This is a huge learning curve, and I'm I'm hoping to learn a little more today as I fumble and stumble through. But you know, the, you're absolutely right. The the hardest hurdle ever. I did a podcast specifically and very consciously to stop hiding. Hmm. And in a way that I, I mean, it was, I've spent my, I've spent of a many a decade hiding. And the hiding is what uh, perpetuated the darkness. Hiding your depression from others, uh, also from yourself? Um, not so much from, from myself. I was very, very aware yeah. of it, but hiding it from others so that they didn't see it because I didn't want them to know. I didn't want anyone to know. Sounds really lonely. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was. And, and that's why, you know, when you stop hiding and I think you're, you're, you know, you said it beautifully, you're not alone. I felt so much more connected and this is going to come full circle. The desire to be an actor and and the reward of being connected to another artist even in a scene or in a moment is so glorious but to know that if you stop hiding in you know again pursuit of authentic self to be able to stop hiding in my real life um that feeling of alone is going away more and more Hmm. as more and more people are okay to say and remove the stigma of being able to say hey man i I feel the same way, like to whatever extent, it's irrelevant. It's th- it's this sense of, of connection and removal of stigma. And so to do that the first time was, I had my one and only so far panic attack the night before it released because I thought I was throwing a giant grenade in my entire life hmm. and blowing it to smithereens, an unrepairable explosion and I thought I had made the biggest mistake of my life because I had spent so many decades creating this facade of happiness and and who I, you know, was. Yeah. And so that panic attack, and thank God for my wife, uh, she helped me get through it. The other side of it has been everything you could ever hope for. Hmm. And I hope that as much as I fear talking about it and as much as I struggled to continue to acknowledge what it is that I can help someone else get to that state of knowing that you're not alone, that that stigma should not be there, 
and that there are outlets and options for you to work towards your own mental health, positive mental health. So uh, I thank you. And I don't know if that's, but I thank you for the opportunity of the platform to at least try to talk about it in a productive and positive way to try and give somebody else the opportunity that I have been given to. And there are good and bad days. I'm not saying that, you know, when you get that, that was my first moment of like, wait a minute, Mm. I'm going to be okay. That doesn't mean I don't have days where I'm like, nope, (laughs) you're not okay. Yeah, because it's, it's like, it's like grief in some ways. It's like these something you have to have a relationship with. You know, Mm -hmm. all of my, my various mental health issues, I am in a long term relationship with and it's better to like acknowledge that we are all in this relationship together than to try to run from it because running from it pushing it aside not talking about it trying to pretend it's not there those that is those are the actions that i'll have almost cost me my life along the way um i'm curious though about living with mental illness having depression and working in the film and television industry you know like how does like what impact is working in this industry and specifically working as an actor playing roles where you are the big hero type or you know often like a strong quote-unquote strong confident person you know what impact does all of that have on mental health do you think like is this a good industry for people who have predispositions for various mental illnesses uh, <clears throat> before I w- could be honest with myself, I would say not as much because I, I remember consciously feeling, uh, a, a sense of joy or happiness about being, being able to pretend to be that confident, uh, strong character hmm. because it was an escape from my reality. Right. Okay. And to be able to play that character and live in that world for a while because my job is to fully invest and be as vulnerable as I can, but I'm wearing a mask. I'm, I'm, I've been given permission mm. to wear that mask and not, I'm not pretending or hiding from the people that love me and now I've discovered love me anyway. The, you know, I was like, oh, you, you, there's no way if you saw the truth inside this mask, you, you'd run. I'd run, I don't like it. Mm. Um, but now, <clears throat> to know that truth and they're, they they love me even more, they understand me better and there's communication and awareness and we're working together, yeah. speaking of my wife and, and my kids, which is a tough one to talk about, but uh, even even colleagues, like I, I'm so grateful. I've had so many wonderful conversations and emails from colleagues and, and friends in the industry who have said very beautiful, generous things, but it's not about, I don't, I truly don't, give a shit about that except for the fact that I love that I don't feel alone and that they can also not feel alone and that we can actually work together and it doesn't have to I mean this is a hopefully a public platform to help somebody else find that I guess sense of community yeah with people who can help each other come out of the darkness yeah or that if you're going to be in the darkness you won't you don't have to be in the darkness 
alone. A thousand percent. You know, there's no quick fix for, there's no quick fix, like for how a lot of this feels, you know, and it's like you're, it's kind of like just right going in the waves, right? But instead of like, sometimes like, what I find support, the support that I receive, especially from my friends, a lot of whom I've met in this industry, but also with medication and with working with doctors, is that before it, a big wave would come, big wave of my mental illness, and it would knock me over, and I would almost drown. Mm -hmm. But now with all of those supports, I have people who, the wave still comes, but I have people who hold me up, or I find that I can actually like adjust my footing a little bit. You know? Do you see it coming a bit more? I mean. From Dude, having done the work, it it depends. Yeah. It depends, you know. And especially during the pandemic, has just thrown like oil on the on the fire in in a lot of ways. For sure. Um, but I have had to <clears throat> learn, and um, I I have learned because you know we could also be really mean to ourselves, right? Whoa. You know, <laughs> even if you know that no, I have friends and everybody likes me and whatever. Um, when the darkness comes, it can be hard to to believe that. But then I've I've been like, no, I know that. Uh, the depression wants me to isolate myself. The depression wants me, the mental illness is what is telling me that I'm not worth anything and no one likes me. But the part of me that has been doing this work knows that if I call Sharon, if I call Amanda, I call the call, they're gonna pick up, you know, and they're gonna, they're gonna grab on and they're gonna tell me everything, you know, they're gonna stay with me, you know, and while I find my feet. They're there, you know, yeah. So they're there, so build, that's been been part of my journey with you know part of breaking the stigma talking about it more is that i found my people to you know i know who who have been like hey we're i'm there we're there if you need me was that not born of the fact that you had a moment where you could be honest enough with yourself to tell them so they knew yeah like that's the biggest transition for me was to be able to be honest enough with the people that i care about for that to be able to tell them where I was because they could never find me. How can you find somebody who's hiding? You know, mm. like, and I had this constant feeling like the other shoe would drop. Even with yeah. my wife who has loved me as unconditionally as you can, a clown such as myself. Um, <laughs> to, I'm not I'm not thinking you're a clown. <laughs> I, I have one of the, I have one of those too. I've gotcha. my husband for 23 years. I, you know. Yeah, we're 20, like, Unconditional. Up until recently, yeah. I always thought that at some point I would come home. She's like, "Yeah, yeah, no, nah. yeah, I'm out." Yeah, you, you know, you just, you just never, you never got to where I hoped you'd get, and I'd be, you know, in the state prior, I'd be like, "Yeah, I knew this day was coming." Ugh. You know, and so to live like that for for however long, like I can look back at all this stupidity, self sabotage, and just self. I I created that. I'm going to call it shit. I'm, I created that shit from sitting in my darkness yeah, and hiding. Hiding because I'm like, well, I built this mask for her. And if I take it off, I'm already, I'm screwed. So I better make, I better reinforce that mask. Yeah. I'm going to be whatever it is and you need to be. And that's what your depression wants you to do. Oh, a thousand percent. Say, so, yeah, you better, bud. Oh, you were fucked. Sorry. Um, so. I told you, we I have know. a well-earned explicit rating here. <laughs> this is why we have it. This is yeah. why we have it, so that we can have these have these conversations. Um, and I guess also in the, in the in this industry, you know, because a lot of it is about you know getting an audition and being you know bankable or sellable or mm -hmm. you know or or how you are perceived by colleagues or how like I could see that. That's why I'm asking about like 
the impact that working in this industry has, you know, when you have this voice that is telling you that you're the one who's going to fuck it all up, yeah. you know, how yeah. hard that that must be. Well, yes. And there's a healthy dose of no, because as I said, tell me about both. Yeah. So the opportunity to hide in this um, mask that the, with permission, yeah, this character, whatever it is. So even if it was a, a sad, broken character, thank you for the permission mm. to let my true colors out and experience and process some of that emotion for myself under the guise of this character so you can't see the fact that this is just the truthfully shitty spot that I'm in. So it's cathartic, and oh, it's also like a bit like therapy. A thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. But then when you give me a moment to be a hero, oh, thank you for the permission to not be the sack of shit that I am in this zero worth world that I have hidden from you. Mm. Um, so thank you for that moment, character, and, and booking and role. And then there's always the, so that's the, the, the selfish motivation for it, but then the less selfish like oh my god and then you know the depression goes you're so gonna fuck this production up dude like here's a role with a it's a lead role guy you're not how the fuck did you get that because you are trash and now you you big clown are gonna screw this up for everybody else because you're the lead male character in this film and you have to carry this story in this character and you suck you are trash and do you talk you back to that voice I do now. Yeah. I do now. Before I was like, like oh my God, please let me Sit down, you fucking asshole, okay? Yeah, but it's doing the work. And it was yeah. the first time I was able to admit it. And I I don't know if we want to go here, but I got to my darkest place, which was a thought of exiting the mm -hmm. world. And uh, Man, been there. Yeah, that's a tough one. It, it's yeah. still tough to say, but. So to get there, to know that that darkness existed to be able to say it out loud so that I know that I'm I, I can confidently say now that with the grounding of being able to be honest with the people that I love I won't get there again yeah out of honoring them because before I thought I would honor them by exiting I thought that I it would be much better they would be much yeah. better off and I could honor them better by getting the hell out of the way completely yeah. oh, man. so now Having said it out loud and having the response that I had, I don't feel like that will that level of darkness will ever come back. That doesn't mean that I start falling that way, and I can see it. But that's why I asked you if you could see it coming. I can see it coming now. The work that I'm doing is a lot. It doesn't mean I stop the wave of darkness from happening. Yeah. Oh, but, no, no, no. I was, just, I was oh. flinging my hands. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see it coming, and I can... And I've I've said this before. I'll be I'll be driving, and I've uh, the thoughts will start to spiral, and yeah. I'll call my wife or text her and just say I'm having a bad day, and I just wanted to let you know. And she knows what that means now. Mm. And she's like, I'm sorry, you're having a bad day. She doesn't try and fix it. She doesn't. She just goes, I'm sorry, you're having a bad day. I'm here. Yeah. And that's all you need, because they know she knows who I am. She knows the truth. She knows that it's not like, oh, what did you you know? Are you sad that gas prices went up? Like it's not. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not a external thing she knows there's an internal working that isn't working yeah and just the fact that she goes yeah i'm here is everything yeah and that's like your amanda or sharon or whomever 
so I can start doing the work. And then I can separate myself from the darkness enough to go, oh, I see you, you fucker. Hmm. And, I, and I know you. I know you for decades know you. And um, no, not today. You yeah. don't get to drive the bus today. You can come along because I have no idea how to get rid of you. Yeah. But I'm driving the bus. So get in the back. Take a seat. Yeah, take a seat. And that's a really, uh, it's a lot of work still to be done. There's a lot of learning still to be done. But I'm, I'm so happy that there's that level of awareness and that level of um, work that's been done. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all of that, oh. Dan. Um, <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity. How, how well do you think our industry does as far as depicting mental illness on screen? Oof. Because I, I mean, I personally, I see a connection between how people feel about themselves uh, and poor depictions of mental illness on screen. And like, I would argue that it's gotten better over the years. Absolutely. Um, but you know, there's still like a a long way to go. And you know, a lot if if it's not depicted well on screen, then that can do harm as well. What, what do you think? I think there's a lot of changes happening. I mean, uh, depictions of different cultures, everything, races, religions, everything's getting a, hopefully, everything's shifting towards a better uh, expression, yeah. a more truthful expression, and, and that goes for mental health as well. I, I, I've seen performances where, and it's based uh, on performance, and maybe that person has a relationship with depression or mental health or whatever it is they're expressing. That allows that affords them a more truthful expression where you feel connected to that performance. I think that goes for every performance. But I, I, I think it's getting better because people are, we're, you know, the stigma is being removed, and we don't have to make it a dramatic and artificial expression of any of those elements that we were talking about. It's got to be a more realistic one that people can connect to yeah going back to connection if you can't connect to performance i i joke with students that your bullshit meter goes off you know mm. if if a character's crying and it's not grounded in some truth for them and they're not tapping into a, a universal truth that you can experience with them it's bullshit and you're yeah. just like oh water's coming out of their eyes i think the same goes for any and every expression on there it has to have an authentic voice from the beginning through the writing so it's tough to write about something you don't truly know about. And that now I'm not saying that a writer can't do it, but they, they need to do their due diligence and their homework and be involved with somebody, whatever it is they're writing about, to be able to find the essence, the truth about it, so yeah. that they can put it in the words for an actor who can understand it or do the homework to understand it truthfully, to then tell that story. And it would take a director with an aptitude to see what it is and be able to guide that creative individual through their expression yeah. to give it its authenticity. Is that, I mean, I think that's the whole, I think that's maybe the essence of the art. Yeah. Yeah, is absolutely. To, is to find that truth and be able to tell it. I mean, that's why beautiful performances are, are beautiful. Yeah. They tap into that universal experience for us and we go along with them. Yeah. Even if we don't know it personally, you know, I mean. But it can help us, even if we don't have, for instance, a mental illness. Um, although I think most people do, but if if we don't, but we get to, but we we get to see an authentic, 
um, representation on screen, you know? And we'd be like, oh, I've seen, now I've seen somebody go through it. Now I know somebody who has gone through it. And now I know how to either recognize it in myself or maybe help somebody else. Create a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, if the beauty of the performance is there, then the awareness can come from it. Yeah. And so, yeah, you, you become more aware or more uh, conscious of its existence. And you might actually pick up markers that that performance because of its truthfulness allowed you to see in a friend or whatever. And I think that will create conversations, remove the stigma and improve everything. I mean, great films birth conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Great performances birth dialogue. Yeah. And that dialogue leads to expression or exposure and then awareness and hopefully growth. So yeah, I think I think it is getting better and there's always room to improve. That's why this there's no end game to this this art, uh, yeah. which is awesome. It's so awesome. Forever progressing. Um, so uh, I will include in the footnotes for this episode a list to uh, mental health resources all over the world uh, if, if there was something in this conversation um, that held up a mirror to something that you're going through or that somebody that you love is going through. Um, you aren't alone. Uh, kind of message do you have for anyone who is listening who is struggling with depression and feeling very much alone it's a really tough one uh, and I appreciate the opportunity and I don't really know what to say I know I would love to say I I hope you find the strength to tell someone to just open up I pray, hope that the universe provides someone, provides you the strength and, and someone there for you to just tell, to say it out loud. Take its power away by, by calling it mm. what it is, to even, even minutely. And, and I'm only speaking from personal experience. To be able to say it out loud took a lot of its strength away. Yeah. And when I... Like a hold over you, yeah, right? Yeah, It had absolutely. a hold over you. It drove the bus. Yeah. In, in almost everything. Yeah. And it's an incremental take back. And, uh, you know, there's two steps forward, one step back, sometimes two steps back, one step forward. But it's a journey that I'm on rather than not being on. Mm -hmm. And I just pray that people can start their journey. I hope that every time there's a conversation about mental health that it either inspires, strengthens, or gives them the energy to say something yeah or talk or, or or seek help like if you if you don't want a friend to know and you can go to a therapist talk therapy or a naturopath or a or even a doctor or whatever whatever there is no right way yeah just whatever you can do for you and it's really tough because you're like i don't deserve it that's the hardest hurdle and for me personally it was the hardest hurdle is like yeah. i don't deserve the help i don't i don't i mean i lied to myself that i don't need it for a long time too to yeah. try and like oh, I'm fine um, I don't know what that looks like um, I'm I, I, you know like I don't even know if it helps but I'm you know DM me I, I will talk to anybody I, I can if, I don't know if it helps I just I don't know what helps but if it's there and if there's something I, I pray you find it so Take yeah. a chance, I guess. What take I'm a chance is take on a yourself. Chance. Take yeah. a chance on yourself. There we yeah. go. It was a long way around. Uh, but yeah, I hope people take a chance on themselves. Yeah, because It's you... a huge, difficult 
step. Yeah. But I, I yeah. would love people to take a chance on yeah. themselves. Take a chance on yourself. Um, then it gets, it gets better. And you're not, you're not broken. I thought for me it was I'm too broken. Yeah. I am not fixable. That's, I was going to walk into traffic. Like that was the kind of things that were going through my mind. I'm like, I've broken myself. I've not, I'm not going to be able to experience life anymore in the same kind of way. And I, I'm so grateful that um, I said all this stuff to my husband, um, who, bless his heart, does not experience, he gets sad, doesn't have depression, doesn't have anxiety, doesn't have panic. Um, but he's like, Sabrina, like, you're sick. Like, there's something, you, you need to see a doctor. Like, that you need to, I'm gonna drive you to the doctor right mm -hmm. now, because this is, this is a health issue. Uh, and, you know, within a few days, I felt better. I felt, and going there gave me the chance to, going, having those initial medications, I felt exhausted because I'd been like, just, you know, in a state of, like just fighting for so long. But then also this relief and, and the clarity of like, oh, I don't wanna walk into traffic anymore. The medication worked. I was sick. I'm glad I didn't go into traffic. You know, um, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's amazing how much depression demands of you. <laughs> yeah. And if I may, the I tried to justify the fact that I was okay because my thoughts were always about ah, I have to take a flight to L.A., which is a gift. Like I, you know, but I was like, oh, maybe this plane will go down. Mm. Like it was a passive. And I thought, oh, you know, that's that's okay. It's okay to have that thought because I'm not actively trying to do anything bad. I just, you know, like I'm not in control of the plane. If it crashes, then great, problem solved. Hmm. I know I say that cavalier, but it's not. I just, I got to the state where those thoughts just came up. Yeah. And I, the one time that I actively thought about it was the, was the wake-up call. And I think, and I spoke about this the last time or the first time that I talked about it was that <clears throat> I think that I'm glad that that scared the absolute shit out of me mm. at that moment because it scared me enough to go like a wake-up call to go uh oh actually that all those passive thoughts of like if the plane goes down or if I got cancer yeah that would be okay because hmm. then I can go out like a hero and I can pretend and it wasn't my fault you know hmm. And uh, nobody knows, so <laughs> secret, I win. Um, or depression won. Either way, it wasn't good. They're all passive things. The, the active time I thought about scared the shit out of me, and I'm glad it did, and I want to say that because I think that some of the toughest things is when that scary thought isn't so scary. Mm, so if, yeah. you, if you don't let it scare you, then it becomes more of a, it, it gets less scary and becomes more okay. That's fucking scary. Yeah. That that thought is not something that scares the shit out of you because that I think is a very dangerous dark road that depression will keep pointing at. Yeah. So take a chance on yourself, I guess. Let's go back to that. I want to go back to the like let's go to the take a chance on yourself. Let's yeah. let's you know, everybody help each other out and let's take a chance on ourselves and Yeah, and, and drag this stuff into the light. Yeah. I don't know how to segue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, from the important stuff we were just talking about into the favorite things segment of the podcast, where I ask you about your favorite things, and then you tell me your favorite things of a thing. Um, do you have a good segue, or should we just like go into it? I think that I'm grateful for this opportunity, so that's a positive to talk about something that's uh, difficult and needed. Yeah. And let's make that, that, that was a cool part of this conversation. Yeah, I'm very and grateful. So thank you. Then we can close it off with a thank you. And, and Thank you. I know you're open to people contacting you. And Absolutely. I am, and, and let's, let's, maybe we can leave it as a positive from there. Absolutely. All right. All right, you ready to, <laughs> Dan Payne, you ready to play some favorite things? Uh, I think so. favorite things is a segment that was developed a couple of years ago by my then nine-year-old daughter basically i ask you what your favorite thing is of a thing and then you tell me um and it's not called words don't do what tomo did which was just the first thing that came to his mind not necessarily (laughs) what not necessarily his favorite thing but he was like he was like uh i'm like okay you have to have some feelings about it all right all right you ready I think so. Okay. Favorite midnight snack? Crackers and cheese. Wow, that's a classic, yeah. What kind of cracker, what kind of cheese? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) I take this shit seriously, Dan. (laughs) No, we're not messing around here. Stone wheat thins were my dad's cracker of choice. It became the family cracker. Yeah. And aged old cheddar was my dad's favorite cheese. So that became mine. And what I absolutely love and why I continue to have stone wheat thins and age old cheddar is because my kids have been convinced of the same thing. (laughs) So they call them daddy crackers. (laughs) Stone wheat thins are daddy crackers. Yeah. So I can't help but when I'm sitting at night, and it used to be sitting at night thinking about less um, awesome things, now I think about cool things and like my kids and then I'm like, oh, I'm hungry and then that all ties together becomes stone wheat thins and age old cheddar cheese. Do you ever add anything to it? Because I could see you could add some like fig jam, you could add some um, chili flakes, some avocado, some charcuterie, like it's... Do you remember how I said I grew up small town? Yeah, I wasn't exposed to a lot of, <laughs> a lot of that stuff. So, but they my wife... fig jam yeah. and no, what, no. What the hell is fig jam? Um, we got strawberry or um, <laughs> some strawberry. Tabasco. Right? I yeah. don't know. <laughs> no, no. So my wife is, uh, I, I'm, I always say she's a chef, but she says I'm not trained. So I call her a kitchen artist. She okay. is an absolute artist in the kitchen. And she has uh, exposed me to the wonders of charcuterie boards. Yo. And yeah, yes. so I get fig jam now. That's good. So yeah, you can add a whole bunch of things. Um, yeah. Uh, bacon jelly? That's some interesting stuff right there. Yeah, I only jelly. had that for the first time last month. Yeah. Bacon's good with everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, little uh, sliced meats of some sort and uh, tapenades and I, I don't even, some big words that I don't understand that are somehow related to olives. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Yeah, you, you know, you know. I'm it. drooling. Yeah. That's not a, just a favorite midnight snack. That might be what I have when I go across the street uh, <laughs> to do an interview there with Jewel State and Susan Nielsen. I oh. can order some charcuterie. Two amazing people. Um, okay. Next question. Favorite TV show when you were 10 years old? Whoa. 
10 years old. My daughter oh, thought boy. of this question when she was 10, hence the 10. <laughs> gotcha, no, no, I gotcha. Um, I'm gonna struggle with because I can't remember what was on at 10, but I can remember certain shows that really spoke to me. Sure. That I watched a lot of. Uh, the Brady Bunch. Mm-hmm. And Gilligan's Island, I don't, I don't know if that was 10, but I remember absolutely loving that show. And then Saturday morning cartoons where my brother and I would take uh, mixing bowls and put the entire box of Fruit Loops in and then the entire two liter of milk <laughs> and then just eat until we were about to explode. Uh, watching cartoons, like all of them. like Kids these days do not understand the special joy of Saturday morning cartoons ah. because they can just watch whatever cartoon they want when they want it thanks to all the various streaming services. There was a thing. Yeah. Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. We'd get up early to not miss the one that was on at that specific time because you couldn't just stream it. Yeah. And I think it was Hercules or something. But we would get up really yeah. early and we would. We'd mixing bowl like we ate a lot. My dad, when we moved out, was like, oh my goodness, I do make money because I don't have to buy your groceries. <laughs> uh, yeah, my brother. My brother's a very large individual as well. So yeah, there was a lot of groceries. A lot of cereal. A lot of cereal. Okay. Favorite Vancouver shot series, past or present, that you haven't appeared in yet? <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, 21 Jump Street. Wasn't that filmed here? Yes. Is but it because is it, you saw? Did you see the complete Twenty One Jump Street DVD on my shelf? No, but <laughs> uh, no, that's awesome. Because you were looking in that direction. Listeners, we are looking at an incredible collection of amazing uh, Stuff. memorabilia. Yeah, I, yeah, a lot of stuff from my childhood. Um, yeah, I mean, did you say Canadian shot or Canadian series or series shot in? Vancouver shot series. Okay, so 21. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good. All right, answer yeah. the question. Oh, I bet you would have been great on that. Thank you. Who would you have played? Probably a high school student that gets thrown around. Uh, I think maybe back in, so I would have assumed that around later teens, early 20s, I would have been in, in the prime of my, or coming around to the prime of my sport. I would have been some sort of jock athlete, I would assume. Yeah, jock drug dealer. Probably, yeah. yeah. Sneaky drug dealer, drug yeah. guy. What a douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> you you would have been got great. arrested. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. By okay, Johnny go. Depp, just as a personal. That'd be. Or, or Peter DeLuise. Yeah, Peter DeLuise. <laughs> <laughs> Peter. <laughs> that's literally why that's on that shelf right oh. there. Okay, I got a couple more. I got a okay. couple more. Okay. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out which no, one. No, I love I it. Really I wish like. there was music playing like. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Favorite karaoke song? It's that was an easy uh, ring of fire. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. actually have the gravelly Johnny Cass uh, well, gravitas here. Yeah. <laughs> I can't sing, so I like to just go low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I miss karaoke so much. I mean, it's a super spreader event, so you can't really go. <laughs> right. um, but I just I have so just so many fond memories of. I, I had an amazing experience. I don't know if she's gonna get upset for me saying this, but. Oh, say it, say it, say okay, it. Okay, a long time ago, <laughs> I have an incredibly talented friend, uh, and we had a night out. I was staying at her house in L.A. She was so kind and generous, let me stay there during pilot season. And we came home, we didn't. We were, had a couple of drinks, didn't want to, or actually, I wasn't drinking. I don't think I was, I think it was during the, I didn't drink for nine years. We 
just chose not to. Uh, and she had a home karaoke. Oh, yeah. So we just, I destroyed songs. And I don't mean in the good way. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we had a huge laugh, just the two of us, karaokeing in her house. Uh, Emmanuel Vogue, she's spectacular. What an amazing human being. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, Who we now know. You've her. outed her as a, as a karaoke fiend. Well, she can sing. It's not fair. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot she can't do. She's awesome. But yeah, that was a fun experience. That was yeah. That's the only karaoke I can remember. Ring of Fire. That's right. Yeah. All right. This is the last question before we end with my time travel question. Okay, so, but last favorite thing. Favorite screen partner. Oh, but if I pick one, then... I know, I know, so I know. I do this to cause shit, you know? I'm a shit disturber. Well, <laughs> I'm going to preface this one by saying that this actor spoke about the fact that she was kind of not really as into it anymore. Uh, and they had a, they've got a storied career and they are phenomenal. So, and I'm going to be that guy. I have never had a bad partner because every opportunity to get involved in a scene is a gift. Yeah. I say that word a lot. And I love it. I love the challenge or the... the euphoric state that it can create or mm. whatever it is like this it is the drug that connection but someone who was so connected and so giving and generous and why i say this person is because they had joked about how they were kind of over it and done for them to go from this conversation of like yeah i'm kind of over it and done to being so unbelievably present vulnerable and and available mm. makes them come to mind uh, and it's jenny garth in a really? time to yeah, in a time to dance. She, we, we were getting divorced in the show, and then we had to find each other again. And you know, she joked about, yeah, I'm over it. You know, I just I do it because it's because you know because she's incredible at it. And so I, I kind of I think I had a pre-dis, uh, pre 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 preconceived notion that she was going to be like not really there. Yeah, and phoning it in because she's not that into it. Yeah, yeah. but it, again, speaking like going full circle with all these conversations. She was just being her authentic self. She just yeah. let me know, like, hey, you know. But that doesn't mean that when she, when the camera rolled, she dropped into why she was... Jenny Garth, yeah. Jenny Garth, this incredible talent who's had a long storied career of awesomeness. Because I... It was... I don't want to say easy. Maybe it was easy. It wasn't simple, but it was easy. That That's... I want to... Yeah. Semantics are important. So to say it was simple would would, to, would deny all of the work that you have to do. Yeah. But what made it easy was she was so available, so present, and so generous. Like off camera, sometimes, you know, the checkout might be on the phone. No, a thousand percent there, a thousand percent giving, and it just, I enjoy, I couldn't wait to do scenes yeah. with her. So. I love to hear that. <laughs> she was my favorite on 90210. Yeah, but uh, again, <laughs> you made me pick. There's so many. I know. You made me pick. I know. I know. And I do it. To cause shit. <laughs> you probably like, oh, Sabrina, you're a community builder. No, I just like to cause you trouble. You shit disturber you. You shit disturber you. All right. So let's end with the time travel then. If you could go back in time to Osiris, to <laughs> Calgary, Alberta, your first time on set on a show, and you, you had the opportunity to give yourself some advice. What would you say to yourself? Or 
would you not say anything at all? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, that was me going into my lower register because I have no idea what I'm going to say. Uh, I like the idea. I love you. Get, you gave me an outlet there. I'm not going to take it. But I do love the not saying anything because it gives me an opportunity to say that I love the journey that I've been on mm-hmm. in, as, as an actor to not know some of the things that I would love to tell myself. Yeah. Because that learning curve brought me to where I am and I'm very proud of where I am. Yeah. So maybe not saying anything to not disrupt that journey to be here today. So that being said. (laughs) That being said, here's a 10 point list of all the things I would say to myself. (laughs) Here's the essay. (laughs) Here's the diatribe. I would puke on myself. Uh, I would like to say back yourself more and be more bold because you're allowed to. Mm. I think that's that feels right. Be more bold. Back yourself because you're allowed to. Yeah. 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 That's good advice. Oh, thanks. I that doesn't mean not being I love that and I've heard sometimes and I'm proud to hear that I'm a nice guy I I do have you know anger and da 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 but I love that in general I'm and to say being more bold does not mean be any less nice I would love I love being nice is essential Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, to go back to being on set I say hi to everybody. Uh, I think everybody there is equal parts, a part of the machine that's making yeah. this film. And I, and to say otherwise is a bit, it, it's arrogant and it misses the point. You know, like creating a film is about everybody who shows up to help create that film. Yeah. Everybody. And, and I think that's a healthy and wonderfully collaborative way to look at everything. Um, so being nice is essential, but be bold as in, take chances yeah uh ask for things when you know like ask for that audition ask for that opportunity be more bold yeah do you think you would have listened to yourself oh hell no i was in a place of (laughs) zero self-worth and I, i i would have nodded and smiled and said oh man that is yeah heck yeah yeah. yeah, and like time travel's real. That's cool. First of all, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you you got old, hey. Um, <laughs> yeah, you could fix that gray stuff. Uh, actually, I'm proud of it. I like the gray. Yeah, keep it. Keep it. Looks great. I do. I do quite like it. <laughs> That'd be funny to. No, I would. I would have. I would have been what I thought that future me wanted me to be. Yeah. In order to make them happy with the conversation interaction we had, and then when they left, they'd be like, "Oh, I can't do that." Hmm. Sadly. Dan, this was a fucking delight. Thank <laughs> you for being here. Thank you for being so generous and so open um, and funny. And uh, I, I, am, I can't believe that it took this long to get you here. Well, I'm grateful. And I, I want to throw compliments back at you, not just because you did. I'm very grateful for those. Thank you. I uh, take the compliments. To, I love compliments. I'm trying to learn. I'm yeah. learning how to take them. So thank you very much. Me I really too. I have a hard time taking compliments. So we'll just sit here and take our compliments. Yeah, we'll just take love, our love compliments. Fest. There we go. Love <laughs> we'll take our compliments. I, I've, 
I'm excited to be here and I'm grateful that it finally happened because I wanted to be here. But you are great at this. You are very, same way I spoke about Jenny Garth, you are very available so that uh, this conversation, I don't know what we talked about and I'm just glad we did. So to me that meant it flowed from a place of just truth and wherever it was going and that that speaks to organic organic (laughs) there it is everybody there's that word it was organic it was organic but you are very 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 um available and kind and generous of spirit and i i've i'm grateful because i felt very welcomed and i'm glad that you helped make it easy to talk about some of the things that were tougher or still are very tough for me to talk about and career-wise i'm 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 happy to start being proud of who I am and what I've achieved. And I appreciate that opportunity as well. Well, thank you very much, Dan Payne. Okay, where can we see you in the next while? Funny, you should ask. (laughs) 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 I may or may not have just mouthed her, can we talk about corrective measures? So I had a a very fortunate uh, experience last year to work on a uh, Fox Tubi release, and I think I'm allowed to say stuff about it. I'm glad this at the end, because if not, you can just cut it beforehand. Hmm. Um, a, a movie called Corrective Measures, um, playing a, a lead role, with people that I grew up admiring as those who defined what cool was, and namely Bruce Willis hmm. and the incredible Michael Rooker. Hmm. And to share screen time with them is mind-blowing. And a career... Uh, bucket list fantasy uh, check uh, mind-blowing experience. Did I say mind-blowing? I think I'm mind-blowing just saying it out loud. But so, I'm getting the sense that it was mind-blowing. You, uh, did you? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> um, and to travel, I got to travel to Atlanta. And, uh, to just Everything so much. was filming in Atlanta last yeah, year. I know. Man. I know. And I got to work with people that I abs- Sean Patrick O'Reilly and his wife Michelle and their incredibly talented kid Kiefer. They, they, they were the ones that entrusted me to uh, carry out this role in this film of this magnitude it's you know there's a there's a fair few uh, bucks thrown at it to say the least and I'm excited for it to come out it's a it's a popcorn movie you, you're not meant to we're not curing anything or, or, or pointing at any um, deep diatribes and conversations but we are hopefully taking you on a fun journey yes that is what we need right now entertainment it is pure entertainment sit back drool on yourself uh hear some funny lines and see some crazy stunts there's some incredible stunt guys on this movie um and uh, reach the stunt coordinator is so incredibly talented and gifted and wonderful i'm excited for it to come out because it was such a fun experience i don't even know what it looks like or what it's going to be like but uh but it felt good it felt good to do. Yeah. It it was an ex, it, it was so much fun to shoot, and I worked with um, Dan Cudmore, good friend. I in oh, fact okay. because of my relationship w- w- played a part in some of the casting, and I, it just it was such a neat experience. And I think because of the years involved in this industry, I was afforded the opportunity to be a part of that different yeah. elements of that process, the the casting, the. So I, 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 I'm excited. So I'm corrective excited measures that is coming out when? Is there a release May, date yet? Yeah, May this year. May this year. Yeah. Okay. Well, keep an eye on Dan's social media um, to find out about release about the release of corrective measures and other stuff you're working on. Dan Payne, where can I oh, know I'm speaking like that? Dan Payne, 
I'm thinking about crackers and cheese, okay? That right. is what I'm thinking about now. Um, where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on all the social medias? I, uh, Instagram is my favorite because yeah. I sort of understand it. And then it also is so glorious because it feeds to the other ones. Ah. Uh, Are you on the TikTok? Not yet. Yeah. How do your kids feel about you possibly going on the TikTok? Is that a conversation you've had? Pro- probably embarrassed at the thought. Yeah. My daughter was like, I was like, I think I should go on TikTok. No. Yeah. No. no. But my no. my kids go on the mind drain of yeah. it. Like they, what is it? Doom scroll or they just, whatever they. It's all happy stuff though for the most part. It is. I see a that, lot of cat sorry, videos. Sorry, doom scrolling is the news. Is uh, the Twitter. Stuff, That's so. the bad stuff on the Twitter. Anyway, they, you know, screen. Time management's a huge thing for mm-hmm. us as parents, but I, I don't know about TikTok. I'll work on it. But Instagram, uh, it's actor Dan Payne on okay. Instagram because uh, somebody already took Dan Payne. So actor Dan Payne, yeah, just I know. show up at that Dan Payne's house. Be <laughs> like, look, you want to you want to fight for it? <laughs> yeah. How much do you want? Uh, and Instagram, yeah, I enjoy that outlet, and then it feeds to my Twitter and Facebook, and I do check in on those. Yeah. So if there's messages there, I will. But uh, my favorite and first stop is is Instagram at the what moment. What kind of an in- Instagrammer are you? Like, what do you post? Are you post a lot of photos? My kids probably would say I'm lame. Okay, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I take that as red because we're parents and that's who we are to our kids. Yeah. Even I'm, though we're super cool, okay? I know right? you're cool and I'm cool. We're cool. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, no. They just define <laughs> it differently. Um, I am... I post by inspiration. Mm-hmm. I don't post by work. I don't like as in I'm, it's not a job. I don't make posting a job and I don't post daily or uh, I post when I'm inspired to post. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I post because selfishly I want a connection like a, the dopamine thing of like I'm going to post to just sort of feel connected even if it's digitally and disconnected. It's there's something about it. I have a like, request for something I want you to post. Okay. Uh, the next time you have some super tricked out crackers and cheese <laughs> uh, and it's all the, your kitchen artist wife has done her thing to it I want to see a picture okay I could do that yeah so I mean that's stuff that I would post yeah okay okay yeah I post whatever I mean that's funny and I, I will post that about and then I might tag it like hey had an amazing conversation with Sabrina at one of the art screen screen and we talked it, about cheese and cheese <laughs> cheese and depression yeah totally go together <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, <laughs> honestly, yeah. Sometimes you know, if I like, because I can either be like not eating at all or want to eat everything, you know, and uh-huh. yeah, and so the cheese had some late nights with cheese and my depression. It's true. Okay, we're going back to depression because it's there. It's there. It wants its moment. Right. But if you want photos of cheese and other inspired <laughs> moments from Dan's life, it's actor Dan Payne, P A Y N E. Yeah, little family, little work, and some cheese. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect end. Don't say anything else. Okay, listeners, this was a good one, wasn't it? Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. They help us find even more listeners and we can keep having conversations like this one. Find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene or 
at Sabrinarv. At Sabrinarv is where you will find my own cheese pictures. The Why Bear Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ronnie Mara Furminger, and it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad, to Paul Furminger for technical support, and to Dane, not Furminger Devlet, poor, poor, not Furminger Dane for the original music. Wyvere Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And... Cut. This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.